What up, Saul Company? Hope you guys are doing well. This is the Flourish Podcast, where we're going to do five episodes over five weeks to help discuss different topics and conversations in the book of John to give you guys tools and some guidance as you walk with Jesus throughout winter break. And today I am joined by Juliana. Juliana, Hi. do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi, I'm Juliana. Um, I'm a student leader at SSV. Let's go. Um, I'm also a senior at St. Thomas, and I'm also the freshman ministries intern this year, so that's really fun. Yeah, great. So I'm excited to have Juliana with us today, and today we're going to be talking about the Bible, and that's because in John chapter 1, the first chapter that you guys will be reading in your Flourish plan, it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we want to talk about the Word, the Bible. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to actually understand the origins of the Bible? What does it mean to actually understand the purpose of the Bible, and is the Bible reliable? Is it true? How do I read the Bible? What methods do I use? All of these different topics we're hoping to discuss in kind of a conversation form. So it's going to be super informal. <laughs> Julia and I are just hanging out, drinking our Starbucks, and it's going to be great. So we're excited to have a conversation around the Word of God. Okay, so the first question we want to hit that we often uh, hear from people is, what is the Bible? Okay, so Juliana, if you were to describe what the Bible actually is, how would you describe the word of God. Hmm. That's such a like broad question. Like the Bible is just like so much. And like, there are like so many different ways that you can go into like answering this question. Mm -hmm. But so like generally speaking, like the Bible is the authority authoritative text mm -hmm. for like Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a book composed of like 66 smaller books, but then it's still just like one book, like one storyline. And like even more like on the spiritual side, like the Bible is the word of God. It was breathed out of or breathed out by God. And so for us, it's like the most like tangible, like piece of God that we have. Yeah. Okay. So that's super interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think because that's kind of like, okay, so the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's mm -hmm. like an interesting idea that it's almost like, this is what Christians believe about the Bible, right? Is that we're almost in conversation with God as we read his word. So even though he's not with us in the flesh currently in the form of Jesus, he's with us in his word eternally, which is really, really cool. Um, how would you say, how would you describe if someone was like, okay, I kind of grew up in the church. I've heard the Bible talked about a lot, but why why do christians have such a high emphasis on the bible and don't see it as like a resource like it's not something that we would say is like kind of helpful for your walk with jesus at soul company we say it is the authoritative word of god and basically like you need to be in it so i guess the question would be like why is it not like an optional resource for christians and it has to be like the thing that you kind of look to for truth yeah that's a good question and i think even just like the Bible, like, just reveals, like, God's character. It reveals yeah. who God is. Mm -hmm. And because of that, like, how can we, like, as Christians, like, follow Christianity if we don't even know anything about God? Right. And so, like, the Bible is, like, truth of, like, who God is. Yes. Okay, that's kind of cool. Okay, so, so for, to people who have kind of grown up around the Bible and your interpretation or their interpretation of the Bible has been a list of rules or regulations and things like that, you're actually describing the Bible in a different lens, right? You're, you're describing the Bible as like almost a descriptor of God, not just a story, not just a narrative, but almost like all of the Bible is pointing towards the character and cadence of God. Um, man, why do you think that's been misrepresented 
for people <laughs> throughout like hundreds of years, right? Like people haven't seen, because I, I think a lot of people step into Christianity who have come from either like church backgrounds, but nominal church backgrounds or no church background at all. And they're used to the Bible being like this thing that has a negative connotation, but you're describing it in like a much more beautiful way. So why do you think that is? Hmm. Honestly, I'm maybe like what first comes to mind is like they really don't know like the big main story of the bible they've mm. only like read just like small parts like if you only read like leviticus or like something <laughs> like that then you're like that's like your daily devo yeah. like, wow, my life sucks <laughs> yeah but then like just uh, understanding like the whole like story of the bible is mm. just like it explains like why those laws were there without right. like having us like be like oh my gosh like i have to like really follow those laws yeah. if that makes sense yeah yeah no that's super good i feel like that's one of the things that made me fall in love with the bible was um when you understand that there's a big picture story to the narrative it actually gives you like a lens in which you to read everything else so if you know like which we kind of have a cheat code as christians right because we're like okay jesus has come and he's coming again but if we view the lens if we view the Bible with the lens of knowing that Jesus has come for us and that he's coming again for us, then everything else almost like gets put into perspective, which is such a unique, unique thing about reading the Bible that almost like you don't view any other book by, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. most books, it's like, okay, if it's like a self-help book, you kind of know what it's going to be about. And it's like pretty simple and easy to understand. But the Bible is actually really hard to understand if you don't know the point of the Bible. Okay, so... With that being said, Juliana, <laughs> if you were to give like a one sentence, what is the point of the Bible? What would you say? Hmm. I would say that the point of the Bible is for God to reveal himself to like his people, like through the redemption, through Jesus. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's why Juliana's on the podcast. Oh, She's no. very smart. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if that's true, if the Bible is this beautiful story of the God of the universe revealing himself to humanity through the redemption of Jesus, why should we read it? Hmm. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. What is like, what as humanity, why should humanity engage with the word of God? I would say... Yeah, just like what I was kind of saying earlier that like the Bible like is like the word of God and it's like how we get to know God. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people can say like all these like opinions about God, but then like is it actually like based in the Bible? And so like uh -huh. the Bible is like kind of like our fact checker, checker for like <laughs> things about like God. And so like I would say that like, yeah, we should just like interact with the Bible because like it is like God. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, I've heard it said that uh, a lot of people have perspectives on God of what God is like, but we should let God define for himself mm, who he good. is. And so the Bible ends up being almost like a this like grand mosaic picture of the beauty of God. And in a lot of ways, we actually get to see the intricacies of God's character played throughout the person of Jesus, which is such like a mind boggling thing. If you really think about it, you know, yeah. like the God of the universe chose to make himself a human. And we get to see like Jesus's intricacies and the ways that he had friendships with people. Like mm. he had friends. Like that's like <laughs> kind of a big thing, you know? Yeah. Like his disciples, not only were they learning under him, but they were his friends. And 
he would call them friends. No longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. It's like this really beautiful thing where the the fundamentals of the human life are displayed through the person of Jesus, but almost like Jesus comes as like the optimal human being, um, a human being that's not marked by sin and brokenness. And it's just really beautiful. So yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, so yeah, as, as kind of a review of the question. So the first question that we wanted to tackle is, what even is the Bible? Uh, the Bible is a book that is written over thousands of different thousands of years, and there's 66 different books within this major book. But on the meta level, it is a story, like as Juliana said, of God revealing himself to us through the redemption of his son Jesus. And if we have that lens, that actually gives us tools to begin to understand Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Genesis, the Old Testament judges, the whole storyline of the Bible can only be understood by understanding the meta-level story of the Bible. So excited about that. Okay, Juliana, so that's great. Mm-hmm. If I'm a Christian, I'm here and I'm like, okay, that sounds great. I want to read the Bible every day, give my life to it, and my life would be awesome. Perfect. What about skeptics? So mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast is because a lot of people aren't coming in to Christianity with the presupposition, which is just a big word to say, with the pre-acknowledgement or pre-assumption that the Bible is true, so or even that the Bible is reliable. So this next section of our podcast, I wanted to hit, is the Bible reliable? And if it is, how do we know that? Yeah. Thoughts? That's good. <laughs> um, so... The answer to that question is yes. The Bible is <laughs> reliable and like we're a bit biased. We'll yeah. say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as I was like doing like research like into this, I was kind of surprised about like how many sources there are to like back up that the Bible is reliable. And so like yeah. if that is something that you're really like questioning, like there are like so many like sources that you can look into. But yeah, I think um, yeah, the Bible is reliable because. Or, like, specifically, like, think of, like, the New Testament and, like, the Gospels. Like, the Gospels were written actually, like, relatively close to, like, Jesus' death, like, 40 to, like, 60 years after Jesus died. And so, because of that, like, we know that, like, they're truer, like, in the sense of that they were, like, closer to, like, when Jesus died. And also, like, another thing that, like, I learned about, like, the reliability of the Bible is that, like, it is, like, there are, in, like, all of, like, documents like (laughs) the bible has like the most like manuscripts Mm -hmm. like written on it like i think like the number is around like six thousand manuscripts for like the new testament compared to like like the iliad or the odyssey which only has like 600 and so like there are actually a lot of like um like manuscripts or just like rewritten like versions of the bible that um are like actually like really accurate and they're actually like really um like similar to one another and so because of this we know that like the bible that we have is actually the bible that was like written like close to like jesus death yeah because so many people will say things like well doesn't the bible have a bunch of errors Mm -hmm. or isn't hasn't it been changed over thousands of years of history but i just want to add to what juliana said the reason why it hasn't been changed is because we have literal copies of the original text which i feel like one of the things that really frustrates me with the language around religion and the language around Christianity is it's always like this supernatural, mystical, vague, like, oh, like take this huge leap of faith and like read the Bible because it's like the inspired word of God and you'll have like this aha moment, which yes, like if you read the Bible, the spirit of God will enter, like he'll just do stuff in your soul. It'll be awesome. But in lieu of or 
because of that argument, often what's forgotten is just what's called hard apologetics. So apologetics is the defense of something. So for example, I love venti strawberry as I say refreshers, <laughs> and I'll defend that all day long. So if you were like, you should get a caribou drink, I'd be like, you're wrong. This is why this is better. So I would have like an apologetics of my Starbucks drink. There's apologetics for the Christian faith. And one of the hard apologetics is what Juliana just mentioned of um, what we call uh really, really strong, reliable manuscript evidence where I think the error rate is, so actually, let me rephrase that. The um, the consistency rate's like 99.87% among 6,000 early manuscripts. And that 0.13% of error is like the way you would pronounce something. So it's not even a different word. So literally every word in the New Testament today that we have in our Bible is exactly the same as 2,000 years ago when it was written. And that's because the people that were handling this text actually knew what they were handling. So they knew that it wasn't something that you could just offhandedly change. They knew the importance and value of it, which is actually really, really beautiful. So, Juliana, what do you think about um, when people are like, okay, the Bible has so many contradictions, okay? Mm. Like, isn't the Bible so contradictory or how can you trust something that uh, contradicts itself? What are some initial thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like there are like contradictions like within the Bible. Like the fir- like the first ones I can't even think of is like the contradictions between um, Genesis one and Genesis two. Mm-hmm. And like the reason why like the creation stories like differ between those is because like they're like they're written as like different like genres mm-hmm. of like um text and so like even like considering like okay like what is like the genre that like i'm reading Mm -hmm. because like the first like genesis one is very like poetic Mm -hmm. and is like and because of that it's like like that account differs from genesis Mm 2 which is more like this is like yeah which is just like different and so um yeah that is hard like there are like little like contradictions but then like the overall like theological like main issues within the bible there really aren't any contradictions on yeah yeah so i'm actually googling something right now this this has been a really helpful paradigm for me um but there's a word if my internet works if it doesn't (laughs) then we'll edit this out okay um okay let's see so there's actually something called seeming contradiction in literary works so this is less of a biblical or theological term and more of a description on all of literary works throughout human history. Um, There are these things that you'll find in a lot of ancient texts and modern texts where you'll read two sentences back to back and they'll feel contradictory. So they'll seemingly say something that's different from each other. So I'm trying to think of an example. It would be like, I'm really hungry, but I just ate dinner. Okay, something like that, where it's like, how can you be hungry when you just ate dinner? Shouldn't you be full? Or that's like a very simple example. But basically there's there's moments in the Bible where it almost feels like the Bible writers are saying two different things. And so um, what might seem like a contradiction actually in view of the lens of the actual historical narrative as Juliana was describing, in view of the lens of the entire theological story, they aren't contradictions, but they're just describing the same thing from a different lens. Mm, so the, the Bible has, the Bible's really unique book, okay? So that's why it's like, it's, it's actually, when people are like, the Bible is hard to read, I get that because there's like different genres within one book and you almost see that in no other book. So it's like, 
every book you've ever read usually has one genre, one theme, one main idea, and like a couple set characters. Well, the Bible is absolutely unique in the sense that it has 66 different books and I think over seven different types of genres. But basically, those seeming contradictions that you're reading in the Bible, the ones that don't make sense in, in first, first reading, if you zoom out and you kind of understand that you understand the author, you understand when they're writing it, and you understand the reason by which they're writing it, you actually see that they're just describing the same thing from a different lens. And so Genesis 1 and 2 is like a great example of that, where Genesis 1 is used as this like creationist historical account, but really it's like this beautiful poetic nature of God's creation hand on all of the universe. Um, and so it's, it's used in, in a way that it actually wasn't meant to be read. And I think that's like the challenge, right, is when people are like, okay, reading the Bible is hard, which we're going to get into more of like a practical, like this is how you read the Bible. This is what's most helpful for you. I actually have a lot of sympathy for that because I think it is difficult to understand exactly what this one verse in the book of Judges means for my life. But as we'll see kind of later on in this podcast, the way you read the Bible is sometimes for like personal application, but in other times it's actually just to understand the whole story in the same way that you don't always read a nonfiction book and you're like, I, I need to apply that right away to my life. That's actually been a little bit of a mishandling of the Bible. So Juliana, any mm -hmm. devil's advocates on what we just talked about of like the reliability Bible? Yeah, I think like, kind of just like going back to like contradictions and stuff like that. like. Mm -hmm can we still trust the Bible if there are contradictions? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I think if there were what I would call like hard contradictions in the sense of like, let's say hypothetically the Bible said this, which it doesn't say. Let me just very <laughs> clearly, just let me just, but let's say uh, there was a verse in the Bible that said, you can have sex with anyone outside of marriage. And then later on, Paul calls sex outside of marriage sexual morality. Let's say those th two things were both written. Then I would have serious doubts about the Bible because that's basically describing one of the fundamental core practices of Christianity is like sexual purity. And so if it were, it were saying something like that, I think, yes, then we would have difficulty trusting the Bible. But I think like almost, I feel confident enough to say at this point that if someone on this podcast or install company was able to bring me two different passages that would be a seeming contradiction, I would be able to break down for them why that isn't necessarily a hard contradiction, but more a different perspective on the same thing. I really do feel that, um, not just because of me, because I don't actually know the Bible that well, but from like theologians and scholars that have studied the Bible a lot. So I would say like, if there were hard contradictions in the Bible, I would feel really, really sus about it. Um, but because I believe there are, are seeming contradictions, but not hard contradictions, I feel really secure about the truthfulness of the word. Mm -hmm. So, cool. Okay, Juliana, let's talk about truth. Okay, so we're about to, we're like opening up this can of worms on this yes. podcast. So if this feels like a true conversation, that's what we're hoping it is. It's just like actually asking hard conversations or asking hard questions about um, truth. Because I think in our culture, in our day and age, truth is kind of, yeah, truth is a little bit, how'd you put it? Like. Mm -hmm. I would it's say like pliable. Yeah, like relative. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Your Describe truth is that. your truth. Like my truth is like my truth. Like yeah. there isn't one like absolute truth, but then like, yeah. Yeah. Which how is, do you think that plays out in like specifically college students? You know, like how does that play out in the minds of people who are kind of in the age group that we're we're loving? Hmm. 
I think that's like a really good question because it's like in college, like we're coming to college to like gain an education, right? And like we're like we're like trying to like find truth like in like our like biology classes or like our mm. business classes and stuff like that and just yeah. like what is actually true and so like i feel like for our age like we are at a point to where we're like seeking truth like we're not a kid anymore like we're right, trying to right. find we're truth trying to figure it out yeah yeah and um yeah and i think just like relative truth like how that affects like college students is that like i don't know yeah it's interesting yeah yeah because it seems like Okay, so this is something that I love studying because I feel like it really, really matters for people is in our culture, authoritative truth is like the singular cultural sin, okay? So really like nothing you do in our culture other than like murdering someone, okay? If you murder (laughs) someone, then yes, that's like a bad thing. But almost nothing else like outside of the fundamental like don't do this as a human being laws is considered like morally sinful, So you can kind of live whatever lifestyle you want, except proclaiming that there's an authoritative truth because in our culture, we've seen truth as something that's completely individualized. So almost like an individualized workout plan. It's like, don't tell me to do P90X. Give me exactly (laughs) what works for me. So we've like individualized workout plans for essentially everything in life. So, okay, how should I live in college? Well, don't tell me how to live because this is my individual plan that works for me, right? Or... How should I date someone? Well, who says it should be a monogamous relationship? Oh, God says? Well, I don't believe in God, so I can kind of do whatever I want. Or um, how should I spend my money? It's like, well, no one should tell you how to spend your money, right? Because it's your money. And so basically everything in life has become individualized to us. And so truth has become this idea where each individual person is seen as like the rule maker for their life. Okay. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Juliana, yeah. why is the Bible so offensive to that worldview? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the Bible claims to be true. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Bible claims to be the absolute truth. And so like for people who like read the Bible and like see something that is like offensive, yeah. then they're like, Oh, like that's not true. Like right. to me. Yeah. And so, but that's not true. Like the Bible is true. (laughs) And like, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, which is really good. And we're going to touch on that in the next section about how do you read the Bible? But yeah, it is the, the claims, if you really think about it, the claims of Christianity and the Bible are absolutely wild in our cultural sphere that we live in because we believe at Saul company in evangelical Christianity in Orthodox circles that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And it is absolutely true, which means it's true over us. Now that's like incredibly offensive for the vast majority of people in our age, because that would imply that you're not the head of your own truth. You're not like the rule maker that gets to describe how you live, but actually you sit under something called the truth, the word of God. And um, that's a hard thing to process but here's kind of like, if you're in that camp, if you're listening to this podcast, you're coming to Salt Company and you're like, okay, I'm not exactly sure, one, if I believe that, or two, if that's true, why that's good for me. I want to give a quick like plug for the Bible. And the reason why I want to do that is because there are many different, if you're not living by the word of God, you'll live by someone else's word. And you're still living in accordance to something. And so it's like, if it's not the word of God, it's going to be the word of the culture around you. It's going to be 
the word and the worship of people in your life or idols in your life that you're viewing, it, you'll, you'll listen to someone. And my fear is that a lot of people will end up listening to themselves to a place of detriment. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my internal dialogue is not always, well, first of all, it's not even always healthy. And second of all, it's usually not right, actually. Like the way that I talk to myself is not always the best and helpful thing for me. And I think for a lot of our generation, we have a ton of young people that are listening to themselves and listening to other people in culture, but have no direction in their life because they realize that those things that they're telling themselves aren't actually healthy and helpful, but they have no alternative. Um, And uniquely so, what the Bible does, and specifically the person of Jesus and the gospels, is he gives a lens on the human condition that's actually far more insightful than any of us, that he understands your soul in a way that you don't even understand your soul. And so when you hear his words spoken into your life, you actually begin to change in a way that you can't produce on your own. And so a lot of people think that the Bible, they view the Bible as kind of like a self-help book. Like if I just do these things and I'll be better. What's actually true is that when you read the Bible, the spirit of God reshapes your soul from the inside out. And it's more of like, Jesus doing surgery on you than it is you self-helping your way to becoming a better person. And what that does is it actually changes not just how you think or what you do or how you live, but the entire core of your character. Um, And it will actually free you up to not have to listen to other people or even yourself, but actually have from your inside out the spirit of God speaking through you. So Julianne, I don't Mm. know if you want to add anything to that. No, that's good. I kind of have a question for you. Like, Let's say, like, I've been, like, reading the Bible, like, for a long time, but then, like, that, like, transformation that you're, like, Mm. explaining, like, what if I haven't felt that, but I'm reading the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's a stumper, you know? No. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good question, and um, one of the harder things about being a Christian is you don't always see the change that you desire to see in kind of your timing, and the first thing I would say to that person is, it's very likely that you are changing. But change in the Christian worldview, which is sanctification, often happens through, yes, high moments of like kind of fall retreat, I'm reading my Bible every day, I'm loving following Jesus, and change happens through suffering. And so the way that you're like changing as a human being, you often don't even really fully recognize or see, but that doesn't actually mean that Jesus isn't doing that in you. And it's very likely that if you're in a place where you're like, man, I've been reading my Bible faithfully and it's like nothing's changed in my life, I would actually encourage you to be in a community because when you're in community, people in your life will be like, no, you're being dumb. You've changed so much, (laughs) you know? Even though the day-to-day reality doesn't feel like that. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's good. So, But I think that's a great segue to kind of our last little section on our podcast, which is, what is it like how do we actually read our bible so that we're understanding the story correctly and so that we have right expectations of what's happening in us kind of like your question um when we read so juliana what would you say in your experience has been the most helpful lens in which to read the bible yeah that's good um so I actually didn't start reading the Bible until like a year and a half ago. And awesome. so like it's been like this cool journey of just like learning how to read the Bible like in the correct way because like it's really easy to fall into like just like reading just like one passage and not really understanding like the big picture. And so right. like I would say the best lens to like read the Bible in is to just like understand like 
the story of the Bible so you can understand like a story of the Bible that you're yeah, reading. Yeah. And so like understanding like, okay, like how does this like one passage in like, I don't know, like John, for right. example, like fit into like the bigger story of the Bible, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. And, and you know, the, and if you're here and you're like, okay, I don't even really know the story of the Bible. That's like <laughs> totally okay. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's some of what we're hoping to help you with this winter is just by giving you a lens into the book of John, you begin to see that Jesus came to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies of him and create a new bond, a new covenant with his people, which basically just means that there's a new promise now. And one of the themes of the entire Bible is God just giving promises to his people time and time again. As they've been unfaithful, he's been faithful to them. And Jesus is like this final promise of, man, all those like different prophecies, all those different sacrifices isn't work. So I'm going to send myself in the form of a human being named Jesus to fulfill all the promises of past and create a new one for all the future forward. And if that's like really confusing to you and you're like, wow, <laughs> that's like this meta level story. That's totally okay. And that's one of the things that we always encourage people to do is read the Bible in community. Because if you're doing that, you can actually ask those questions. And although people in your life might not have the answers for you, at least you can be like, okay, this is how we start to think about it. And so I love that lens that if you understand the story of the Bible, you will understand the stories in the Bible. Um, Juliana, give us like a, what's like a practical, like how mm -hmm. to get started. So if I'm here and I'm like, okay, I've read like a couple verses. I've read Philippians 3, you know, 3, 4, 13. I've maybe read one of the gospels. I've read some Psalms, but really it's like I've read like 3% of the entire uh, Bible narrative. How do I get started becoming a student of the Bible? Yeah, I think first just like pick a book of the Bible that you're going to yeah. read and just be like, okay, like this is the book of the Bible that I'm going to read for like the next like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's really helpful in the sense that like every day that you know, like what you're going to read next. So you're just not like cherry picking the Bible, which right. can be like really confusing, but then just having like one book that you're going to study for a time is really helpful. And so I would say one, just like pick like a book of the Bible to read and just like stick with that. And then also just, um, like really study like the passage that you're reading like mm -hmm. for me like I I just read a chapter a day because like mm -hmm. that is like really doable for me and like with reading a chapter a day I'm able to like really study it and so like I love like annotating <laughs> <laughs> like bible passages and so That's like awesome. <laughs> I'll like underline or just like circle like words that like come up a lot or like I'll write right. questions or like and like annotating the bible and just like really studying it studying it instead of just like reading it is really helpful and just like yeah. routine it and just like understanding it more and like even just like reflecting on it like I love to like ask like these three questions when I read a um, bible passage like what does this say about God and then like mm. what does this say about me and then like how do I respond to that yeah. and so like having like those three questions just like as I like read a passage is like really helpful for me to understand that passage nice and that's like, super helpful yeah that's that's really yeah. good you want to repeat those three things actually yeah so the three questions that um, I ask when I'm like reading passages, one, what does this passage say about God? And then two, what does it say about me? And then three, how do I respond? Yes. Yeah. That's really, really good. If you can do that as you read your Bible, you'll grow. So I almost just want to guarantee that, right? Like I know that's like a blanket statement, but if you read the Bible to learn about who God is, who you are in reflection of who he is and what you're reflecting, what you're processing with that, 
um, you'll, you'll begin growing in a way that you can never imagine as a Christian. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is it offers Christians as they come to faith, which I think at our ministry, there are a lot of people that are just now being like, okay, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple. The Bible doesn't have to be something that's like, oh shoot, I should be reading that more. It actually can open up a whole new door of the depth of discipleship that you may have not even thought was possible as a Christian. And you'll start to realize as you read the Bible and as you get to know who God is, who you are in reflection of who he is, and you kind of sit and ponder on that, that your the way you actually think and view the world will begin to change. And so that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible that makes it unlike any other book. And that's one of the things that I found most helpful. Um, Juliana, how would you describe just like, maybe, maybe I'm in this position as a student where I've kind of read some chapters of the Bible. Maybe I've read a book of the Bible still, but I'm still like, okay, I don't, I don't know how to like understand the larger story. What's like between, let's say, uh, let's say people finish up Winter Flourish and this is the first time they've ever read the Bible. They finish up the book of John between that and like kind of understanding the larger story. How do, how do we keep moving forward? What are your thoughts? From, okay. I kind of didn't understand your questions from like, can you repeat it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, let's say um, I've read the book of John and I've just come to know Christ, read the book of John. I'm really, really excited, but I still don't really understand the larger story. What are some like tangible, helpful resources that I can use to continue understanding the depth of the Bible? Yeah, that's good. I would say, um, commentaries are really good like study bibles just like having a commentary a lot of like the new testament is like there's a lot of the new testament is can actually be found in, like the old testament just like wordings or like prophecies mm-hmm. or whatever and so like commentaries are really helpful in that yeah. and like i'm a huge like fan of like the old testament and so like <laughs> i awesome. i wouldn't really like if like a new believer, I would like push them to the New Testament first because that's uh-huh. like just a lot easier to read. But then like after reading the New Testament, I would encourage um, new believers to also read the Old Testament because right. it just shows that like kind of like what you were saying earlier that like Jesus was just like prophesied for so long. Yeah. And the, the Old Testament just kind of shows like a different like part of like the story of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would say. That's great. That's great. And one helpful resource is actually the Bible Project. I don't know if you like the Bible Project at all, but they do these like short YouTube videos that describe the overview of each book in the Bible. And I would say like as you're reading the next book, honestly, I still do this for myself. So I think this is super helpful. I just watch that video. And what it does is it like animates the context for you. So as you enter into that next book of the Bible, you begin to see where it fits in the larger story. And so... The Bible project is super, super helpful. Okay, here's the last question that we should hit, and then we're going to be logging off. But, Juliana, why do you love the Bible? Why is the Bible no ordinary book for you? Hmm. That's good. (laughs) I love the Bible because it's just consistent. Like what Drew was saying, like, a couple Mm. of weeks ago at Salt Company, that it's eternally consistent. Like, Jesus was just, like, prophesied for so long, and then he actually came. Yeah. And like, I love that, like, it is just like so true compared to everything else, like in this world to where like mm. everyone's like telling you like, this is true or like your opinions are true. But then like the Bible is like actually true. Yeah. And I just like love that part because like it, it's true in the sense that like it shows like God's character and like God's character is true. Yeah. And I just love that part of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. How about you, Tony? Yeah. Um, 
I would say encountering Jesus in his word has changed my life. And um, it's not just when you first meet Christ that you get to encounter Jesus, but I feel like one of the greatest joys of being a Christian is daily meeting God in his word. And that's what like quiet time is. That's what like Bible reading is for. I want you guys to hear this podcast and not your, your goal. Not every Christian's goal is to be a theologian. I'm not a theologian. Julian is not a theologian. You know, you don't have to be this like crazy theologian that knows everything about the Bible, but your goal as a Christian should be to encounter Jesus in his word. And, um, when you do, I feel like what the Bible does is it colors in the person of Jesus in a really, really beautiful way, and it it begins to give you a new lens in which to view not just your day, not just your month, but all of life in general um, in the way that I think God does. So a, a kind of like a little tagline that we wanted to leave with you guys this episode is, the Bible is a timeless word with a timely impact. So it's a timeless word in the sense that it's written over thousands of years. It was helpful for people 3,000 years ago. It was helpful for people 1,000 years ago. And it will be helpful for people of all of eternity forward as God speaks to people through his word. But it also has a timely impact. It's this meta-level book that's written over thousands of years, four thousands of years of people, four billions of people. But it also is this like really intentional book where God, by his spirit, will speak to you through his word in a timely way through every season that you go through of pain, brokenness, and flourishing. And so we just believe the Bible is a timeless word with a timely impact. And um, if you were to read your Bible this next five weeks for Flourish, we really do believe that God would begin in something in you um, that hopefully would actually set you on a trajectory of deep discipleship for the rest of your life. So do Flourish. Yep, do it. (laughs) All right. Guys, we have had so much fun today. Thanks for listening in to uh, Flourish podcast number one about the Bible. Uh, Tune in each week as we release an episode on different topics that show up in the book of John as we do this plan Flourish together. We love you guys a ton, and we'll see you guys next week.